Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents The Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Three words sum up a gruesome Saturday for UGA. But the good news is... Kirby, they include an opportunity. It is the Chuck Oliver Show on a Monday, and we have our playoff field set. I believe it's the afternoon of December 31st in Dallas. Is it 3.30, 2.30? We got Alabama playing Cincinnati. And then at, I don't know, 7.30-ish or whatever, 6.30-ish, you have Georgia and Michigan playing in Miami. The reason you have that is because, did I say this on the air? I think I meant to. I didn't know for it to be secret information, but I was told it secretly. Kirby had commissioned a study that Georgia players were like 7.8% faster on the field that is in Dallas versus the field that is in Miami, and that there's this huge amount of alumni base. And so they wanted to go to Dallas if they had a choice. They're going to Miami. And part of the reason that they're going to Miami instead of Dallas, part of the reason they're playing Michigan instead of Cincinnati, no disrespect, is because they got outcoached. They got outcoached. Middle of the field was the Red Sea. And even in the second half when UGA would press, it'd be press and bail sometimes. Never really challenged the receivers as much as they attempted to challenge the offensive line. And that was as big as anything in the entire game. When I say three words, sum up a gruesome set, yeah, you got outcoached. Biggest factor in this game was in seven days, Marone, O'Brien, I'm guessing Saban, whomever, In seven days, O'Brien and Marone and everybody else figured out how to block it up on the right side, and they won. Y'all know what that's like? Do y'all know what Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone did last week? Do you know what that is exactly like? Life in the NFL. 
where every single week, save three opponents. You play your division mates every year, so that's three opponents that you know. In the NFL, you know what you don't know nearly as much? Literally every other opponent outside of those three. How about in college? What do you know in college? Well, I'm Kirby, so I've been at Georgia 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. Is this the sixth year? Yeah, sixth year. So in my six years, do you know how many times I played Missouri? Every time. How many times I played Tennessee? Every time. Even with changing coaching staffs, et cetera, there is so much familiarity. And then you're not going to have, even with the portal, you don't have complete turnover. So there is some built-in traction in college for Kirby. Let's see. I play these six division teams every year. I play Auburn every year. I play Georgia Tech every year. Folks, we only have 12 games. Eight of them. Eight of my 12 opponents. I am very familiar with every single – in the NFL, that ain't what it is. In the NFL, you know what it is? You're the Tennessee Titans, and this year you play the NFC North. Okay, what do the Vikings do? Because we haven't played them in six years. An NFL staff does this every single week. Between the Iron Bowl and Saturday in Atlanta – it was NFL coaches doing what, all right, totally new challenge, new team, new, new, new. What do we do? Let's figure out how to block it up over there. And somehow they did. Now, I said that's a three-word summary, and it's pretty gruesome, but it's fair. I said that it includes an opportunity. Here is the op. Between now and the Michigan game, you get a chance for your coaches to be as good as the Bama coaches were between the Iron Bowl and Saturday in Atlanta. It's that blatant. You got worked. The cliche, hey, Dan, it's not the X's and O's, it's the who? Jimmy's and Joe's. Yeah, you know what it was Saturday? It was the X's and O's, guys. I don't know. Both those rosters look pretty dang similar to me. Honestly, like anybody going against Georgia going, hey, we just have better personnel. Really? Are you the Chargers? Not the X's and O's. It's the Jimmy's Saturday in Atlanta. Those are two elite rosters. It was the X's and O's. That was such a landslide advantage for Alabama coaching-wise. You made the cliche that even Nick Saban agrees with irrelevant so kirby and everybody else on that staff saddle up answer that bell in your own way between now and december 30th in miami To the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Alabama 41, Georgia 24. It is not what I expected. I'd said it was going to be 30 couple to 20 couple. About a 10 point win for Georgia is what I was expecting. Um, but I have a colleague of mine, not on this program, obviously, a colleague of mine, and he told me last Monday, he's like, nope, I, I know how this goes. Georgia by, you know, two scores. Um, don't even need to talk about it this week. 
And I sort of reverted. I found myself having a flashback to when I coached and, and taught high school. I said, well, now let's use our time wisely. Just because we have all decided what the outcome is, we, they're, they're not going to play the game today. Well, let's move it up since everybody knows. They're still going to wait till Saturday. So if we have four days, let's think about it for four days. And I said, folks, if, if Bama can figure out a way just to block it up a little on the right side, I said Bryce Young is the best quarterback in the game. And when you have an advantage with coaching and quarterback, there's something to talk about. Still didn't think that Alabama would win. Want to welcome on right now. Good friend of the program. We always love catching up with him when it's time to talk Georgia. Certainly recruiting so much in the SEC from 247. It is Rusty Mansell. Rusty, brother, how are you today? Oh, man, the sun came up. My coffee's still black, but I'm not sure I'm not sure that's uh, the case for the entire Bulldog Nation. But the, the team I covered, Georgia, for 24-7 sports, been a rough uh, about 36 hours to kind of digest what happened. And I think you're spot on, man. But, you know, I had an elevated view sitting there and press box i'm telling you man bryce young put on a freaking show on saturday all right so you know football uh you played it you uh grew up around football families obviously and you know it now um i said they blocked it up on the right side how because kendall randolph didn't suddenly get good after after five full regular seasons suddenly i mean that's not how it happens it had to be scheme x's and o's and a couple of nfl coaches with their their input Sure, they challenged them. You know, these, these are these are everybody on Alabama is a four or five star. I mean, you know, if you're not, the next guy behind you is. So obviously, they took the Auburn tape and you say, look, this is what we did wrong. This is what Auburn did to us. Uh, we've got to fix this. We got to fix this this week. You have a whole week to work on it. I thought Nick Saban, and you've covered Nick Saban for God knows how many years. I can tell you this: that comment he made when he kind of laughed and said that rat poison was yummy, that lets you know that the entire week. They told Alabama, hey, nobody is giving you a chance. Nobody is respecting that we're still Alabama. And Georgia got a very pissed off bunch of Alabama football players, and they won a lot. They won a lot of individual battles on Saturday. Oh, yeah, they did. And when you had a little bit of time, because people, everybody knows, you know, deep routes, it you know, t- takes time. I, I, I want to say the deep route – that is about timing as much as time in the pocket. You don't wait till the guy's 40 yards downfield to throw it. I think on the crossing routes, because you can't let that thing go until the guy's, you know, almost there. Um, sure. The crossing route was open all through the first half. Um, mm-hmm. What was what was Georgia wanting to do in that zone defense uh, until they finally got out of it? I think they were trying to protect on the deep ball. And you look and listen, nobody's really talking about this, and it's unfortunate, very unfortunate for the young man. But Chuck, John Mechie was on pace to have about 190 yards himself. Had he not, Georgia had no answer for for Mechie and Williams. Those two guys right there. And Auburn didn't see that for three quarters. You know, that when Jamison Williams goes out, uh, he's a difference maker. Here's one thing I'll tell you. When you watch that second touchdown, Chuck, the first touchdown of the second half, You know, you got Keely Ringo. You know what Keely Ringo ran the 100 in high school? He ran 10-3. But let me tell you this. Jameson Williams blew by him. And when you've got an explosive playmaker like him, you've got to get your hands on him to reroute him. And when they did not reroute him, he split Lewis Seen and Keely Ringo, two guys that are going to be very high NFL draft picks. And then Bryce Young had time. He dropped a dive. So all that works together. Now, that's things you can fix. you got to get your hands on those guys. Maybe Georgia played a little bit too much zone, trying to protect the deep ball. And in the end, Chuck, they still got beat. 
Um, I, I, I keep it in perspective because, I mean, I know that there were a couple of runs from Bryce Young. But they count, but they weren't really part of the ground game. Um, Alabama was able to run the ball some. Um, sure. Were you surprised as much as I was? Because, like I said, the team totals affected a little bit by Bryce Young, but they still were able to do a decent enough job. Uh, no, and here's the thing, too, though, I mentioned. Brian Robinson played beat up. Yeah. Georgia plays him again in a couple of weeks. He's going to be a lot healthier. I don't know what he was wearing on his leg, but it looked like a freaking tank uh, protecting his his lower uh, right leg. So, uh, to me, them being able to run the ball some didn't surprise me. I actually thought Bryce Young was going to be more of a threat. Uh, but their their game plan was just get the ball out and let's make these big boys run sideline to sideline and see if they can hang in the third and fourth quarter. And Georgia was very tired in that fourth fourth quarter Jordan Davis there's a lot of plays there where he you know, he just basically got up out of his stance he couldn't move because he will affect you in the run game mm-hmm. but in that passing game when they're throwing bubbles and flares to Jamison Williams and those guys boy it's tough to pursue on that in the fourth quarter at 350 360 pounds all right flip it around to the offense um if you'd have said Georgia scores 24 I would have said oh that's interesting um as it turned that you know as far as winning or losing uh turns out it, it wound up not being close talk about Stetson Bennett and his performance and tell me what you saw from him well him having to throw 50 times if somebody told me that on Friday I knew that I knew it was a recipe for that was not going to work yeah. you know with Stetson Bennett has to throw 50 times look he threw for what 347 yards and three touchdowns now that's good the other part was he threw a pick six, and he threw a turnover in the red zone. And, and early in the game now, he almost threw a pick six in that first series. Uh, they dropped it. So, you know, there were some good things by Stetson Bennett. I think he avoided four or five negative plays because he was able to scramble out of the pocket, where if it's JT Daniels, I mean, it's probably second 17. With Stetson Bennett, it was second seven and eight. So, you know, Chuck, I don't have the answer there. Here, here's what I do know. They've got two sample sizes of Stetson Bennett versus Alabama. Now, George is going to have to make a decision. Can we coach this and change this enough to give us a better chance to beat Alabama? Or is this where we are and we got to give JT Daniels a shot if they rematch with him? I don't know the answer. But I do know that you've got two sample sizes. And both times you played Alabama, you lost by 17 with him. So, uh, you know, it's not all on Stetson Bennett. I'm a thousand percent not trying to say. But when you start looking at the offensive side, what can we do different? I thought Georgia could run the ball a little bit more. I thought they kind of got out of that. But the problem was, Chuck, they gave up 24 points in the second quarter. They had to get out of their game. You You credit Alabama. They got Georgia out of what they wanted to do, and they wanted to make Stetson Bennett throw it 50 times, and he did. Wrapping up, Rusty Manziel from, again from 247 Sports. Uh, George Pickens, um, you mentioned that a month from now, Brian Robinson will be healthier. Well, what about George Pickens? Where is he right now? Because he was on the field. Yeah, that's definitely going to help Georgia there because, you know, you start talking about, you know, he split a double team as well, and Stetson Bennett threw it up to him, and you got to get him more chances. But, you know, you look at George Pickens three, four weeks from now, he's going to be even more time. Um, you know, if they beat Michigan, he'll have another game there. Mm-hmm. So that's a big difference for Georgia. Uh, you know, Stetson Bennett's a guy that, you know, he, he's got to have a playmaker like that. You give Brock Bowers so much. If, if George Pickens is in the game, they're not able to cover Bowers and what people are going to try to do with him because I'm telling you man he if Bryce Young was the best player on the field Saturday I mean there's no question in my and then you take Will Anderson but number three was freaking Brock Bowers and he went off Saturday 
Last question for you, and you may not even know this. This may just be, uh, I mean, rumors and innuendo. Uh, what about Kirby getting a new contract? Because uh, if, I don't know, Mel Tucker's $9.5 million, Kirby's underpaid. Let me tell you something. I think Jimmy Sexton represents Mel Tucker, Sam Pittman, Kirby Smart, uh, Mario Cristobal. It is Jimmy Sexton season, and Georgia just went 12-1. and one. And, oh, by the way, they're about to get another playoff payout. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Kirby Smart is about to get a paid a chunk in Athens, and he's deserved it. I mean, they you take the Alabama game out, and that's that's the one. Now, that's that's the team you got to get past. But everything else, Kirby Smart's conquered it for Georgia, and uh, you know you got a chance to add an orange bowl to the resume. I, you know, I was purely speculating that if they won Saturday, it might have come. You know, yesterday, um, but I said that's pure speculation because last time it was like the middle of May. Like, no sure. news cycle at all. And then, oh, yeah, Kirby got a deal. What? Um, yeah. d- d- is that an indicator? Or is it uh, like both sides are like, no, we'll get to it? Uh, I'm sure get to it. Because here's the thing. You know, Josh Brooks, the new AD there, he knows Kirby Smart's in his dream job. He knows Mary Beth Smart played basketball in Georgia. He knows that their kids go to Athens Academy right there. They're fully entrenched in that community. But he also knows that, that if there's about 10,000 people in line for season tickets to give X amount of dollars to even try to get season tickets, and that's because of the product Kirby Smart's put on the field. So you got to protect your product. The market is driven. And when Mel Tucker at 16 and 14 gets 90, $90 million, <laughs> I bet Jimmy Sexton was on the phone with Josh Brooks going, oh, yeah, I'll be calling you soon. Rusty, appreciate the input as always, brother. Thank you. Thanks, Chuck. All right, Rusty Menzel again, 247. He mentioned um, Jimmy Sexton there, and he was going through some of his clients. Um, Jimmy represents Sam Pittman now, and that was a change from maybe over the weekend I saw that. Uh, And I'll be honest, I was surprised that Jimmy didn't already represent Sam Pittman because he had been on the staff at Arkansas. In fact, no, he was just O-line. He was not OC. He was O-line coach, I think. Yeah, he was O-line coach. Uh, but he was on staff at Arkansas, SEC. He's on staff in Athens. I mean, he's all around. Nothing but Jimmy clients. And now Sam Pittman's a Jimmy client because it's time to get paid. Uh, when it's time to maintain, you can have an, uh, just an attorney. You can have an accountant. All we're doing is maintaining. 15th and 30th, it all looks the same. It's time for the 15th and 30th in Fayetteville to look a little different. So now he's represented by Jimmy. Um, so Kirby as well and, and so many of the other heavier hitters, especially in the, the deep south. And so Kirby, I, I speculated it could have happened yesterday because you didn't want to do it coming off like if you – well, wait till after the national championship game. Well, what if you don't win the national championship game? You use that as the springboard to announce the new 10-year contract? No, get a little momentum, which means that it's not going to come today. Catch the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Download it now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. If you are in and around Huntsville, Alabama, 
Every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m., you've got the choice to listen to Talking Ball. That is on 97.7 FM, The Zone, and you can hear Drew DeArmond talking, among other things, Alabama football. And on a day like today, I'm certain it's Alabama football. Uh, I was doing that with him Saturday afternoon into Saturday evening at MBS in Atlanta, watching Alabama win the Southeastern Conference Championship and bought themselves to the number one seed in the playoffs. Want to welcome on from 97.7, it is Drew DeArmond. Brother, how you doing? Good, Chuck. How are you? It was good to see you Saturday. It really was, and I talked to you during the game, um, and I said, how did this one specific thing happen? And you looked at me and said, Chuck, this is the best they have pass protected against any defense the entire season. All right, how did that happen from the Iron Bowl and Jordan-Hare? Seven days later, they're facing the best defense in 30-something years, and they block it up. Well, you know, doing a little digging, Chuck, I think an X factor that a lot of people hadn't thought about, including myself, but he's still in the building, and there's nobody that Nick Saban trusts more than this guy. But I think Joe Pendry played a big uh, role in the preparation for Georgia and, 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 and trying to fix the issues they've been having up front. Uh, you know, he, he was Nick Saban's first hire nearly, really. Uh, he and Jeremy Pruitt were two of the first few guys hired in, back in 2007. He was the offensive line coach for the first few seasons under Nick Saban. There's nobody that Nick Saban trusts more than Joe Pendry. Joe Pendry recruited him. Uh, you know, when he was in high school, I mean, Joe Pendry was at the University of West Virginia. Uh, they knew each other. They've, they've uh, known each other for many, many years. Uh, and he's always kind of been a, a crutch for Nick Saban to lean on when he needs to, you know, fix issues within his program. And I think Joe Pendry uh, played a big role in this preparation. And I think, you know, he, he's someone that if you talk to a Barrett Jones or talk to guys that have been in this program, they revere him so much. And you'll see him on the sidelines still at Bryant-Denny State. Him. And he has that. He's just another set of eyes that Nick Saban can use. And I think they did that Saturday. And they he worked with Doug Marone, and they had these guys prepared. And Georgia didn't do a ton of blitzing. They did a lot of three, four, and five man pressures. And Alabama was prepared for it on Saturday. It's kind of like the offensive line version of Pete Jenkins, isn't he? He's kind of like this Obi Wan Kenobi that is just kind of floating out there in the ether that you can call on every so often. Right. That's a perfect description for Joe Pendry. And he's a guy that, as you know, Chuck, he had so much experience on the college and the NFL level. 30-plus years there. He was an offensive coordinator uh, in the National Football League. You know, he, the last his last job was with the Birmingham Iron. Uh, the uh, You know, uh, it, 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 of course, that league did not get off the ground. But Joe Pendry is a veteran football guy who knows the game inside and out. And I think he was a, a big key in Alabama preparing for the dogs. Continuing with Drew DeArmond again from 97.7 ESPN in Huntsville. So that was at, up front. Um, Brian Robinson was not 100% not even close to it he's out there wearing body armor um do you have a clear idea now that the game is over has has anyone come a little more clean with you about uh, the extent of the injury exactly what it was also uh with three and a half weeks off i mean there's a chance he can feel be feeling a lot better by the time alabama takes the field man i mean uh, in dallas well yeah you would hope so he definitely was banged up chuck he was a warrior out there i think it was just a battle of attrition i think alabama felt like he had to be you know they had to do what they had to do to get him prepared to go uh there was they don't have enough depth right now at the running back position you saw christian leary get in on the second series but he never touched the football he's not a natural running back uh you had a trey sanders and he took a big shot late in the game yep. uh, i think he's going to be okay he got a, i think he took a shot to the head 
But they needed Brian Robinson out there. He's the guy that knows the pass protections really well. They trust him to protect uh, Bryce Young. I think that's another reason. And, and again, I think he showed his teammates a lot with the toughness he played with. You know, Chuck, this is a guy and a kid that waited until his senior year to be the starter. I mean, he, he was behind Najee Harris and a lot of other talented running backs for the majority of his career in Tuscaloosa. He was a great player at Hillcrest Tuscaloosa High School, so it means a lot to him to wear the Alabama uniform. He grew up wanting to be a, a you know a Bama football player, and he certainly went out there. He wasn't himself, but he was a warrior. I, I, I went into the game thinking if he played, he would touch the ball 10, and 10 times or less. Mm-hmm. He had already done that by halftime, and I think but one of the keys to the game that I had for Alabama to win was to rush for 125 yards against that defense, that elite front. They didn't quite hit that, but they came really close, and I think it provided the, just enough balance uh, for Bryce Young and the uh, and the wide receivers for Alabama to get the win. All right, now I don't know if there was because when I, we were in the press box. I was kind of we were me. I was looking to my left to see the field, and so were you, and you were sitting like past me to my right. So I, I don't know who was speaking, but. When Mechie was walking off the field, I was hearing conversation toward my from my right about, hey, is that an ACL? Um, when did your knowledge of this kind of develop? And uh, it's confirmed now, correct, is it? Yeah, it's confirmed, unfortunately. John Mechie tore his ACL. And it was really kind of a strange deal because usually in those situations you're helped off the field or you come back out with crutches. He came back out in the second half, no helmet, a towel, and he even squatted down one time. Uh, you know, maybe it's a partial tear. I don't know. But I do know it's a significant enough injury. He's not going to be back for the college football playoff. And, Chuck, that's a huge loss. 96 uh, catches on the year, over 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, in the first half, he had already caught, you know, six passes yeah. for uh, 97 yards and that one big touchdown in the red zone from Bryce Young. So he brought a lot of toughness to that team. He moved the chains quite a bit. But now it's going to open the door for others. That's what I asked Nick Saban in the post game. You know, you guys had to play with him the whole, without him the whole second half. So it, what, what about guys like Slade Bolden, who had a huge catch late to help kind of seal yeah. it? On that third down, he got a 24-yard gain. They had Trayshawn Holden catch a couple passes in the second half. Certainly, he's going to be a bigger part of things. And then, of course, we've seen the emergence of Ja'Cory Brooks. So, it's going to be very important for those guys, plus those tight ends and Cam Latou and Jaleel Billingsley, to step up even more uh, as they prepare for a really good Cincinnati team that they've got to respect and potentially a rematch with Georgia or Michigan, two really good teams uh, they could potentially face in Indianapolis if they get to the national championship game. Yeah, and you mentioned Jaleel Billingsley. This is one of those times where, you know, son, for a month, just don't get back in the doghouse. Just just for a month, work with me. That's what you need from Jaleel Billingsley. Flip it around to defense real quick. And I got to say, Christian Harris, he's better than I – every single Saturday when I watch him, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's really, really, really good. And then I forget about him by kickoff the next week. Yeah, I thought he was really solid. Uh, he, and, uh, he and Henry Toa Toa have gotten a lot better in the last month, especially Toa Toa. He's already hit 100 tackles yeah. now, Chuck. Uh, I think he's been an upgrade over Dylan Moses, but Moses wasn't healthy last year in his defense. But, yes, I think in the last two or three weeks we've seen Christian Harris play with more physicality. He played. He got a little dinged up late in the game, and they put Moody in, but he came back in. I think he's playing better football. And i got to give a shout-out. If I had a defensive MVP award, 
I would have given it to DeMarco Helms. He's put his best two games on tape against Auburn and then Georgia the last couple of weeks. He played with a lot of physicality Saturday. You saw what a freak show Brock Bowers was. He knocked that ball away in oh, the yeah. back of the end yeah. zone, which was a huge play. Also had an interception and had a team-high nine tackles. So I thought, you know, the two inside backers, I thought DeMarco Helms played very well. Jordan Battle with the pick six was a huge play in the game. So I thought Alabama played well defensively. And, again, they were able to play really good run defense. Georgia didn't run the ball really well. And who would have thought, but going into the game, Chuck, Georgia averaged nearly four sacks a game, and they had an outstanding running attack. Alabama outrushes the dogs, and they give up no sacks. I wish I had known that because then I would be a rich man today. Uh, last thing for you, uh, just health-wise, anything else to be aware of that uh, Alabama is going to be particularly working on uh, over the next three and a half weeks? Anybody, any injuries, any health concerns? Well, as you brought it up earlier in the segment, Chuck, B-Rob and, and Trey Sanders are definitely going to be a primary concern. You've got to get those two guys ready to go, for, as Coach Saban said, after the game for a two-game season. They're your two healthy backs. They've got to you know, get, get right in the next three and a half weeks before you head to Dallas for the Cotton Bowl. They're very important. But another injury, though, that's very important as well, he, we didn't see him at all against Georgia. He's the best cover corner they've got on the team right now, Jalen Armour Davis. He had a hip issue, but he missed the Auburn game. He missed this game. He warmed up for both. Hopefully that three and a half weeks will get him healthy. He'll be back in the lineup. Uh, and then Brian Branch has really picked it up at the star spot. Yeah. Malachi Moore's been a little banged up, so he'll have a chance to get healthy also. But really, Jalen Armour Davis, the two running backs are the main concern for Alabama. And then Darian Dalcourt. I mean, but I will say this. I think you and I would agree. Uh, Seth McLaughlin did a, a hero's job at center. He did a great job. That's going to be a really interesting competition going forward to see if either Darian Dalcourt's back in the lineup in that bowl game where Seth McLaughlin has made a move to just to start at center from Buford, Georgia. He did an outstanding job against a great player in Jordan Davis and a great front on Saturday yeah. afternoon. Well, how much does McLaughlin weigh right now for real? <laughs> That's a great question. I would say between 275 and 280. Thank you. He harkens back to the days of Toby Shields. But, of course, as I've been told uh, from a, a former teammate of his that I'm good friends with, Toby didn't weigh over 245 back in the day on a game day, which is really stunning and shows you how much bigger these offensive linemen have gotten. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at him the other day, and he's out there, and he's got 99 as the assignment. I'm like, he's the guy that looks like he's snapping pregame, you know, during specialty period. <laughs> And he's out there taking on a guy who may be a, a Heisman finalist as a defensive player. Drew, it's great as always, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. All right, Drew DeArmond again. Drew D977 ESPN. Um, yeah, Seth McLaughlin. He's listed, I want to say he's listed at like 295 maybe. And so I'm down there Saturday. I was like, yeah, no, uh-uh. I mean, I don't know everything. I looked at I was like, mm-mm. There's a chance, Dan, if he's 280, there's a chance Jordan Davis outweighs him by 75 or 80 pounds, isn't there? Yeah, because I think Davis is like 355 or something. Yeah, okay, great. 75 or 80 pounds. Wow. That was not the assignment every play, but uh, really, really impressive stuff there. All right, I appreciate Drew coming on. We will break. Rapid Power 1 next.
Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. A game that I was not expecting to be full of fireworks. It was exciting, though. Oklahoma State trying to come back, and it was a final play of the game. And Oklahoma State had been down. Was it 21-3 to at one point? I think it was, yeah. 21-3, to and they come back to make it a ball game, and it's fourth and goal. And if he gets in, Oklahoma State, I believe, is a playoff team. I believe as a Power 5 squad with the conference championship, the data point, I think that that would carry the day versus Cincinnati. But it didn't happen, so it doesn't matter. Uh, And so Oklahoma State um, loses to Baylor. Baylor winds up as the Big 12 champion. And they move on to – they're going to New Orleans, right? Yeah, the Sugar Bowl. And they had played in the Sugar Bowl with Jim Grobe, was it three years back against Georgia? Actually, it was uh, two seasons, the end of the 19 season. Um, and so their matchup in, in, in the Sugar Bowl, I think that Baylor's matchup in New Orleans in the Sugar Bowl against the fan base had the third best weekend in college football. I believe the Ole Miss fan base I think they had the third best weekend in college football. First best weekend, Bama fans. Second best weekend, Cincinnati fans. Third best weekend, Rebels. Bama's win was an Ole Miss win. Because Bama's loss would have been their second loss, and they would have fallen out. And I I don't know, Notre Dame or someone, whoever. And certainly with an Oklahoma State win. Uh, But Bama's win was an Ole Miss win. Because the loss would have, quote, dropped back. This is the screwed up nature of college football, and it has been for about the past 20 years. I turned on the Rose Bowl one year, and I watched Miami and Nebraska play in the Rose Bowl. I was like, mm, I don't understand what's, ha- what's happened to my game. So, and actually, they played the Rose Bowl in Miami that year, essentially. It was Iowa and USC. Iowa and USC played in the Orange Bowl one year, whereas the Rose Bowl had a completely different matchup. So the screwed-up nature is a program like Alabama, last thing they wanted this season at least, last thing they wanted, anything to do with the Sugar Bowl, an SEC heritage, SEC blue blood program, last thing they wanted anything to do with was a bid to the Sugar Bowl because it's not a playoff game. Now, Ole Miss and the Rebels fan base, what did they want? Well, of course they wanted to go to the playoffs. And they wanted some sort of mathematical magic to occur. But it didn't. And so finishing season 10-2, and two, uh, winning the, the Egg Bowl, all of this has been great. And after Bama's win elevates the tide to the playoffs, this is the Ole Miss weekend. We elevate to the New Year's Six. We're keeping our coach. And this trip to the Sugar Bowl is going to be way better than the last one. 
the last one, there was already the NCAA investigation, and there was already the cloud, and there was even walking off the field that night. I've got a buddy of mine, Ben Ingram. He's play-by-play for the Braves, and we've had him on in studio before because he's an Ole Miss fan. And I asked him if it was worth it. It. If it was worth it. If the scandal and the exit of Hugh Freeze and the NCAA, was all of that, was was it worth it? The Sugar Bowl and beating Bama twice? And he said, for an Ole Miss fan, yeah. He's like, as a guy who's been Ole Miss, he's like, he sat back and he's like, yep. Because of what I haven't had nearly often enough as an Ole Miss fan, yeah, it was worth it to me. If you tell me that Sugar Bowl and the experience I had beating Bama, he said, especially in Oxford, because he was there that day. He was at both of them. But um, he said at home it was even better somehow. And he said, for me, it was worth it. Now, it's, you know what makes this trip better? There's no reason to think that I will be asking that question in five years. There's, there's no reason to think that that question will be relevant there is no lingering cloud that, okay, you're going to the Sugar Bowl, but none of it. So, Bama fans, I said last week, and like, I'm not, I, I have no credit here. I picked Georgia by 10. But I said, there, there is value in a couple of areas. And I said, coach and quarterback, those are like, if you let me pick Chuck, your team's playing my team. I'll let you pick the two advantages that you get first. I want coach and quarterback. All right, you go. But there was a third. I said, the Bama team that's had to hear for a week, you can't win. And I said, really the Bama team that's heard for about a month, you can't win. I was like, there's value there. And then that kind of unfolded that way. So, Bama fans, yeah, you had a great weekend. Cincinnati, you got your shot. You wanted it. Here you go. You're not going to win. You're, and Yeah, it's sports, and you don't know. You're right, and Jerome Ford's a really good running back and, and, and all kinds of other things I can tell you about Cincinnati that, that you'll find out yourself. But, but you, they're not going to win. But Cincinnati fans, you got invited finally. Like, you, you know, you got invited over and you realize it was to park cars, not actually go to the party. This time, no, you're on the invitation. You're looking at it going, you are cordially invited. No, really, us? We're not working there? You're not a king showing up and he hands you a mop. That's not what's going on here. Cincinnati fans, you got invited. So you're in now. And then Rebels fans, third best weekend in the sport. What up, Dan? All right, enough beating up Brian Kelly, okay? I, I yeah. caught that reference right there, and I think most people did as well. Um, LSU fans out there especially are uh, really excited right now because they saw that a name that they revere very much is out on the market. But I think that I'm very much in agreement with our good buddy Chris Gordy of the Locked On SEC podcast. Brian Kelly's going to hire who he believes is the best offensive coordinator to move his team forward. Not who the fans think is going to be that. But I will say this. I already started to think about it, that if indeed he needs to have a prove-it ground again in college football, that there are a couple of places top of mind right now where he doesn't even have to move that far. 
If I'm Kirby Smart, I'm already giving him a call. If nothing else, come in, look at some film, see what we can do a little bit better in the RPO game. How can we be able to get the football out faster? How can we avoid some of the situations that we found ourselves in on Saturday of necessarily playing on our heels in the passing game as opposed to being attacking in the passing game? The other one, again, not that far, Clemson. Because we've seen before the co-offensive coordinator system with Tony Elliott has worked out very well for Dabo Sweeney and that team. And I think if nothing else, it takes pressure off of Elliott where he doesn't have it all on his shoulders that he has since Jeff Scott has left campus. I think both of those programs immediately need to be picking up the phone and saying, hey, I know it's early. I know you're probably still smarting a little bit from being let go, basically made the scapegoat. But all of those different things, how about a return to college? If nothing else, take a look at some of these things. Give us some notes. See what we have and be able to try to see how we can make this passing game a little bit better. I think if both of those programs are not at least doing their due diligence right now, they're not doing everything they can to make their offense better. Yeah, um, Dabo Swinney, I, isn't he a coach already having a challenging offseason? Uh, already was before going in. Remember, I told you before the year that he was going to have to make changes, and now the changes have been made for him. Yeah. Um, is is his AD gone? Like, is it's, that, it, it's believed that, yes, he is next after Mario, yes. Wow. You go from, I mean, just bricks and mortar with rebar in it as far as structure and stability to all of a sudden, coordinators are gone, your AD's gone, all kinds of changes, and you may have to jump into the portal. Dabo, already a challenging offseason. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.